Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. Real Personal Finance. Thank you, listeners, for all of your questions. We truly appreciate them. We have another one today. As you have questions, please write them in. This is how we help you and help everyone. We want the whole U.S. population to be financially literate so we can stop recording the show. We got to be at least halfway, right? Yeah, we're at least halfway by now. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Almost there. Let's keep going. Yeah. So today's question comes from Ben. Thank you, Ben, for writing in. First off, love the show. Thanks for the work you all put into this. My question is around HSAs. It's a health savings account. Am I really missing out on not investing in this? I understand the power of tax-advantaged accounts, but to me, having all the money that can only be used for specific things feels very limiting. Plus, all the extra work of needing to track these expenses, etc. Is the trade-off really worth it, or am I fine maxing out my IRAs, no 401k at the moment, and adding to taxable accounts? Thanks. Fair question. Yeah. We'll address this question. But one of the things I've noticed about HSAs is everyone likes to talk about IRAs and 401ks and Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. And this HSA is a really amazing account that really, for whatever reason, doesn't get as much press or coverage. Doesn't. And there's some amazing benefits to it. Yeah. Let's geek out on health savings accounts. We will do that. And so we'll answer Ben's question. We'll also, I think, just broadly speaking, give an overview of HSAs and how they work. And then Ben can see, is it worth the extra work? Is it really extra work? And should this fit into his financial picture? Yep. So to start, the way that an HSA works, number one, not everyone's eligible for them. So to contribute to a health savings account or an HSA, you have to be covered by a high deductible health plan. And a high deductible health plan has a definition where like you can ask the insurance provider, is this a high deductible plan? Is it HSA eligible? Exactly. also be language you could use and they will simply tell you yes or no. Exactly. It's typically pretty apparent. They don't, you know, thankfully they're not making you go search for a whole bunch of stuff to figure that out. But by definition, there's a high deductible. It's in the name, meaning that this is the type of plan where if you are incurring medical costs, you're typically paying a higher amount out of pocket before insurance starts to kick in and help out with the burden of that. Exactly. So number one, to qualify for this, you have to have a high deductible plan. Mm -hmm. Let's assume someone does have a high deductible health plan like Ben does. Mm -hmm. How does the contribution work? What is the benefit of contributing to an HSA or the tax benefits? Yeah, the benefit is you get to put the money in pre-tax. So we don't have to pay taxes on that money. Now, to be more specific, you can do this two ways. One, if you have an employer plan, it's just going to come through your payroll right? That's the first way. Yep. If you don't have an employer plan, you can still have a high deductible plan and you would make an HSA contribution. It would just be noted on your tax return. Yeah, exactly. So you contribute money, whether it's through the employer or on your own, and that's a tax deduction. Yep. Do the tax benefits stop there? No, there's a triple tax benefit. Oh, I love that. <laughs> triple tax benefit. 
Yeah. So the first is we get to put the money in pre-tax. And actually, if you're on an employer plan, it also does, you don't have to pay FICA taxes on that contribution amount mm-hmm. either, which is a little extra benefit if it's an employer plan directly. But from there, once the funds are in the account, they can sit in cash, of course, but you can also take these funds and invest them. Mm-hmm. So we can invest them and let them grow tax-free in the account. Or you could say tax deferred, because then when you reach in the future, you can utilize them for a number of things. You could choose to say, hey, I had a big medical expense. I can prove it was a medical expense. Please give me my cash just right now. That's one thing we can do. Uh, We can also do that for expenses that have happened in the past while we've had the HSA, so long as we kept track of those expenses, which is one of Ben's noted questions. Mm -hmm. And then if in the future, once we reach the age of like 65, if we're no longer, if we don't have a need for these funds for medical expenses, we can also just take the funds out for any reason as well. Then we'd have to pay normal taxes. So the triple tax benefit really exists if it all stays medical. Yep. Right. If it all stays medical, money in doesn't get taxed. Money gets to grow without being taxed. And then the money comes out as long as we use it for medical expenses. Again, it's not taxed. Yep. So triple tax benefit. Yeah, I think which is amazing because I think, you know, we take a 401k, a traditional 401k or traditional IRA, for example. Yeah. Or compare that to a Roth IRA. You're either getting the bit, the tax benefits on the front end or the back end. Right. You're either getting a deduction when you put money in and you're paying taxes when you pull the money out. Or you are not getting any deduction on the way in, but you're getting tax free withdrawals on the way out. This is both of those. Yes. Tax deduction on the way in, tax free as it's growing, tax free as it comes out if it's used for qualified medical expenses, which yes. is a really amazing benefit. There is one caveat to that, where at the federal level, it is always tax-free. There are two states that don't actually recognize HSA contributions, yes. one of which, unfortunately, is our own, California. Yeah, good so old California. California and New Jersey, they don't recognize HSAs, meaning that you're not going to get a deduction for putting money in or on the growth on the state side. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get all the federal benefits. And if you're in another state, you're still getting the HSA tax benefits, but California and New Jersey just don't recognize them. And the other benefit, you know, one of Ben's question is, he says, to me, having all that money that can only be used for specific things feels very limiting. And so what right. he's referring to is, man, having all this money that can only be used for medical expenses, what if I don't need all that money for medical expenses? Mm-hmm. It's, it feels limiting. The benefit is if you turn 65 and you have HSA funds and you're saying, geez, I have more than enough money for medical expenses, you can just turn that into like a regular, it essentially acts like another IRA without the required minimum distributions Yeah, where you can draw those funds, no penalty. It does not have to be for medical expenses. You do just pay taxes on that, but keep in mind, you still got the tax deduction on the way in and the tax deferred or tax-free growth. Yeah. So it'd be more like an IRA then. Yeah. Which is, and then even then, like people have medical expenses that you just don't think about when you're Mm -hmm. younger, when you're retired. So Mm -hmm. if you just use this HSA in retirement for medical expenses, it will be beneficial to you. Hugely beneficial because people's number one fear a lot of times about retirement, at least with retirement expenses, is the cost of medical coverage. Mm Mm-hmm. This can be used for things like Medicare premiums, or this can be used for doctor visits or medications or things that you have. There's a, it's really broad what this can be covering. So maybe you don't feel like you need it today, but if you're thinking about, okay, do I save my 401k instead? Well, this kind of does everything a 401k does and then some in the sense that it could also be tax free, whereas a 401k or traditional IRA would not be in retirement. Agreed. How much can I contribute to one of these? Yeah. So for this year, the rules are there's for the individual, there's for families, and then there's a catch up. So the max you can put in 
in total for an individual's $3,650. Now, if you have an employer-sponsored plan where they say, hey, we'll be willing to give you $1,000 toward your HSA if you choose to sign up, well, that means you and the employer can put in the total $3,650. It's not like you get an extra $1,000 on top. So I just want to be clear about that. For families, the number just simply doubles. It goes to $7,300. And then if you're over the age of 55, you can add another $1,000. So if you're a family with a 55 or older family, the max would be eighty. $300 for yep. the year. Yeah. And like you said, unlike, so two things are different between this and a 401k with a 401k, any contributions an employer does, those are in addition to your limit that you have. Mm-hmm. Whereas any contributions an employer does to your HSA, those are included in your limit. So if you have a family plan of 7,300, like Scott said, say your employer puts in a thousand bucks, you can only do 6,300. Exactly. The other difference is when we hear catch-up contributions, like for IRAs or 401ks, that age is at 50. The catch-up contribution for HSAs is 55. So just keep in mind that depending on the type of an account, catch-up contribution ages are different as well. Now, what about there's accounts where they are, you know, if you don't use a full balance, you lose it. Use it or lose it. Yep. We always had that idea. Yep. Everyone always used to hear that term, like you don't use it, you lose it, right? That's a flexible spending account, an FSA. And I've had many clients confuse FSAs and HSAs, right? Because they sound very similar. (laughs) But in this instance, with an HSA, a health savings account, if you don't use it, it just rolls over to the next year. Your pie gets bigger. So you can just keep using it. Yep. Which is, again, going back to the strategy that we talked about, key, because if we're saying, hey, use this for retirement, if you don't plan on using it today, well, every single year you didn't use your balance, you lost it, Mm -hmm. kind of defeats the purpose here. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this can roll over is what allows you to invest these dollars to be used in the future. And and what's going to happen is with an HSA, the way that these HSA providers get paid is one of the ways is they're charging on the cash balances in the yes. plan. So they're going to say, hey, Scott, or hey, James, you can fund this HSA and you have to keep some minimum level in cash. Yes. Maybe it's a thousand bucks, a couple thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to keep that in cash and then any excess amount, feel free to go ahead and invest that. Mm-hmm. So keep some in cash, which is maybe a good idea anyways, almost like an emergency fund where if you need to use your HSA, you've got some funds in cash. Yep. And then anything above that, you can invest. And one of the nice things we talked about eligibility, the first thing is you have to be covered by a high deductible health plan, Mm -hmm. but there are no income limits to HSA contributions. Nope. So anyone's allowed to participate. Anyone is allowed. And on top of that, having an HSA, it's not the same as saying you have an HMO or you have a PPO. It could be either of those. Mm -hmm. You could have an HMO that's HSA eligible. You could have a PPO that's HSA eligible. You just have to have a higher deductible on that plan. Yep, exactly. And the idea of no income limits, this is actually where the real benefit in my mind comes in. Because if you are, if you have cash flow to participate in an HSA account, an HSA plan, and you can put the money away and you can invest the money and you can use excess cash to fund all of your healthcare expenses because you're going to have to pay them out of pocket. Remember, we mentioned that thing called a high deductible plan. High deductible plan, let's just for a minute say it's 3600 bucks for the year. Mm-hmm. Well, that basically means every time I go to the doctor, I'm going to be paying for that visit for all of those things until we reach $3,600. Yep. Right? Yep. But if I don't have many health issues, that's not really such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Then we can use the HSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So some nice benefits there. And 
Another nice thing is you don't have to use the HSA funds in the year that the expense was incurred. Right. So to go back to that example of maybe you do have some expenses. Yep. You break your arm, you go to the hospital and it costs $3,000 mm-hmm. and you pay the whole thing out of pocket mm-hmm. because you had a high deductible. Yep. Well, let's assume that you're working and you got good cash flow and you say, okay, I'm just going to pay for this out of cash flow because I want my HSA to keep growing. Yep. And then the next year, you break your arm and incur $3,000. And say you do that for 10 years in a row. You're it's just a super unlucky guy. You, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Skateboarding. You're skateboarding. Clearly. And for whatever reason, every single year you break the same arm and every single year <laughs> you incur $3,000 for 10 years in a row. Yeah. Well, if you pay cash that whole time, that's $30,000 of expenses that mm-hmm. you've incurred. Well, yep. let's just say that in year 11, thankfully, you don't break your arm, but you lose a job. Right. And now all of a sudden you're saying, shoot, I don't have a whole lot of money left over, mm-hmm. but I do have these funds in an HSA. If you have kept track of your expenses, which is what Ben was referencing in his question, mm-hmm. you could take out $30,000 in that 11th year and that's tax-free right. because it's kind of like you take your money out to pay for what you didn't pay for with HSA funds just through normal cash flow the previous 10 years. Yeah, there's no like bright line on, on a look back period for those expenses. It's so long as you've had the high deductible plan in the HSA and you kept the records of those expenses. Yep, exactly. So which is nice because you can kind of treat that as like a fallback plan, an extra emergency fund where you, that's tax-free money that you can just pull out at any time if you need to yeah. by paying out of pocket along the way. Awesome. One little detail that can be used in some cases, some cases it maybe doesn't necessarily matter that much, is you are allowed to make a one-time tax-free, it's called trustee to trustee transfer of IRA funds into your HSA during the course of your lifetime. Mm -hmm. So you could do one time, take funds from your traditional IRA and move them into your HSA, but you are still subject to that maximum limit. Mm -hmm. So if you're 55 and older and your limit's $8,300 and you're saying, man, that sounds really good. I want to fund my HSA. I just don't have the extra cash to do so. You could slide $8,300 from your traditional IRA into your HSA one time and that funds your HSA for the year. Mm -hmm. Some benefits to that, of course, is that your IRA is tax-free. Your HSA kind of does everything your IRA can do and then some Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of that. It could also be used for tax-free income if it's used for medical expenses. So there's some benefits to that. And just we'll kind of just go over some random one-off things to note about HSAs real quick. But anything else you want to add to any of this before we do so? No, I think that's a really good overview so far. Yeah. Let's go over real quickly beneficiaries because it does sound like, wow, this should I just kind of prioritize HSAs over all else and grow the biggest HSA ever? Grow a huge HSA, pass that HSA down to my family. It's intergenerational wealth HSA. Not really. It doesn't work as well for that. Yeah. So, you know, thinking of it in those terms, like an HSA can be really beneficial to grow, especially for a family if you're making those $7,300 a year contributions, you know, for a couple. 8,300 when you get over 55 until you're 65. You know, the reason it's till you're 65 is because once you're eligible for Medicare, you're no longer allowed to make contributions to an HSA, which I don't think we've mentioned yet. So, right. And it's in the month you turn, you're not allowed to. You have to kind of prorate that final year. But if the beneficiary, so, you know, if I have an HSA, if Amanda's the primary beneficiary and I were to pass away, really no big deal. It just becomes her asset and mm-hmm. she can utilize it for the rest of her life. 
if we've named the kids to receive it, not us to receive it, then it can become a problem if we have a really big dollar amount in there because you're actually forced to take the funds out in one year as a beneficiary if you're a non-spouse beneficiary. Right, exactly. So if it's a spouse, great, just rolls over to them. But if it's your kids, they have to take out the entire amount and it's all taxable to them. Exactly. So the goal with HSAs isn't to see how can we grow this huge, gigantic pot of money that can last forever. It's to see how can we grow a ideally large pot of money, but then use it in retirement. Exactly. And whatever we can pay for, pay for from this because it's tax-free, but the goal is not necessarily to preserve this kind of intergenerationally, like some people have goals with their other assets for. Yeah. So where do we typically recommend HSA contributions? Obviously, it depends. But when you're just looking at what you might have access to, the first thing I think we encourage people to look at is if you have a 401k and there's a match, that almost always is probably the first thing you want to look at. That's mm-hmm. just free money and take advantage of that if you can. Yep. An HSA should maybe be next. Yeah. You know, the only thing that we haven't really touched upon, because we started, we're really talking about the account and its benefits. But one of the things to keep in mind, if you do have employer plans, they'll have like, I'm just going to say there's going to be like the standard plan without an HSA account. And then there's going to be the HSA account. Yep. And so sometimes it's important for you just to do the math really quickly on what's the amount that I'm going to pay out of my paycheck for the normal plan versus the HSA. So those are my premiums that I'm paying, right? And then there's just knowing what's the deductible difference, right? Because you quickly normally see that they end up being about the same over a 12-month period. It's just one now is going to feel more salient. You're going to feel it more when you show up to the doctor's office and it's 150 bucks and you have to pay it versus it used to just be coming out of your paycheck. So just know that and look at that. Yeah, that's a great point. Even if you're eligible for an HSA, it doesn't mean you should take it. If you have all kinds of medical costs and you are using and seeing the doctor regularly and you have a plan that's going to maybe cover more of that, mm-hmm. well, maybe you forego the HSA and use the plan, the insurance plan that's going to cover more of your costs. Yeah. But do the work up front to see what's the all-in cost based upon your typical doctor use of using the HSA. It's going to have a lower premium that you're going to pay on a monthly basis, like you're saying, but you're going to be on the hook for more if yeah. you need it versus a plan that's not high deductible, higher premium, but you're on the hook for less Hopefully when stuff comes up. I agree with your point you were making earlier. Like, yeah, get the 401k match, do the HSA, go back to that 401k, go do the things that make the most sense for you to grow your retirement income. Yeah. And I'm glad we had this question because the HSA is not typically thought of first. When people say, oh, I'm going to go invest. We The first thing we think is 401k, Roth IRA, brokerage account, all amazing accounts. But the HSA should be right up there, at least in consideration, if someone is eligible for it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Ben, thank you for your question. Scott, anything else you'd add? No. All right. That is it. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.